My name is Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tana. And welcome to uh, yet another episode of the 905er. This week, we are taking aim at politicians and wannabe politicians in the 905. Uh, It's going to be a good one. Why don't you start us off, Roland? What, uh, who, do, who do you have in your sights uh, for this week? Well, we've been mentioning some former Hamilton mayors recently, and uh, another one um, got involved in, in Hamilton affairs. Well, obviously already already involved, but uh, um, stuck his head against uh, above the, the uh, parapet, and that's Larry Diani, former mayor of Hamilton, uh, one of the kind of what you might call the three horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, Larry Diani, um, Bob Bertina, and uh, Fred Eisenberger, who've kind of shared the uh, mayoralty between them over the last uh, decade or so. Um, uh, you know, this comes back again, it's related to LRT, and it's related to the announcement um, last week that uh, an organization, which I believe is called, um, well, we're going to be speaking to them in a, in a, in a week or so, um, is it I vote? Sorry, I'm just looking through my feed here. I, I elect Hamilton. I elect Hamilton, yeah. Uh, announced that they're kind of organizing to, um, uh, because there needs to be a change of uh, a ch- change of guard at Hamilton City Hall. Um, I don't think this is a particularly revolutionary thought, uh, and it's very much within everybody's right to organize in that way to, to um, uh do their best to get the candidates they want to see elected. And now they're actually not favoring a slate. They're just saying there should be change at City Hall and they're, they're going to be campaigning for that. However, Larry Diani objected to this in, in some um, uh, style, and I'll read out the tweet that he posted. Um, he said one of the key ones was, um, we should welcome all into a process that wants to better the city, but not if that process is being driven by sour grapes and ideology of hate and carelessness in valuing those in office who are trying hard to do the right thing. So this was not the first tweet, actually. This was uh, the second or third. Um, an ideology of hate. I mean, these are people people like Joey Coleman, people like um, Laura Babcock, who we spoke to the other week, uh, people like Ryan McGreal. Uh, activists, certainly. Opinionated, certainly. Um, driven by an ideology of hate in a Hamilton context? That's pretty freaking offensive. I mean, we've seen hate in Hamilton, and it wasn't coming from those guys. Uh, these are people who want a better city, and you may disagree with them. You've got every right uh, to disagree with them. Uh, to, to use that kind of language is ridiculous. And then what he'd said uh, earlier that really got my goat, and everybody read my Twitter feed last week, um, I apologize for the poor language, um, was, uh, and I'm just making sure I get my quote right here, um, uh, his sort of first foray into this subject um, was even more directly at something that I think shouldn't be attacked by anybody, certainly no, by no respectable politician, and that was people who have an education and who get themselves educated. So what he said was, university and other elites are making a play for city council and board of trustees. This will be an interesting year in local politics. I'm looking forward to following events closely, and I'm sure others may be organizing as well to counter these efforts at a left-wing takeover. Um, uh, but for God's sake, can we get beyond this nonsense of treating people who go and work hard and get a university degree and maybe go on to work at a university and who research and uh, 
you know, discover new things and in, maybe invent vaccines, <clears throat> who knows, uh, and calling them elites and saying that for some reason because they chose to get an education, they're suddenly less uh, worthy of being listened to. Spare me. I mean, it, it's uh, this is this anti-intellectual garbage that that is far too pervasive in places like Hamilton. It's far too pervasive in North America as a whole. I mean, it's this folksy, hey, shucks, guys stuff that started with Ronald Reagan and ended up with Donald Trump, as far as I'm concerned, you know, this this, this kind of being ashamed of, of your intellect, being ashamed of actually having gone out and tried to improve yourself or discovering things that might improve the world. It drives me absolutely mad. And Larry Diani should be ashamed of himself for saying garbage like that. Well, I mean, it's something we were talking about before we came on the air uh, with, with this is that, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It, it, it shouldn't be tr- going to university or post-secondary to enlighten yourself or to get it to further expand your knowledge base. It shouldn't be something frowned upon or you have to hide away. It, you know, that it, the, the sad the sad thing is, that, you know, this, this, yeah, right. This anti-intellectualism, it's, it's. It's too pervasive. It gets into all of our all of our discourse, and it just it it stymies any advancement or any any new ideas coming forward. Because you know you, you get you get a group of people who are trying to engage in a demo, in a democratic way. They they are trying to influence. And I don't want, I don't want to say influence like it's a bad thing, but they want to organize and put forward uh, change in the democratic process. That's, that's how democracies work is that people, you enough people would say, Hey, we all agree with this person or these people's ideas. Let's give them a shot. Let's see how it works out. If it doesn't work out. Okay. Change the team. If it does work out, you keep them in place. That's democracy. That's, that's the, the principle behind it. Um, to come in and say, Oh, it's this left-wing takeover and, and, and whatnot. You know, the question is, has the current has the status quo helped Hamilton at all? I mean, what we were, we were talking a few weeks ago, the, the LRT debate with Laura Babcock. Um, you know, what, what is the third, possibly the, the third municipal election that we're going to have in Hamilton where this could be a ballot question? I, I mean, like for crying out loud, like make up your mind, like either take it or don't, but. Don't sit there and be like, "Oh, well, we you know we ha- we have to have a vote on it." Like, you know, shit or get off the pot. But this, you know, this this idea, like, "Oh, it's 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 a bad thing to have," you know, the the smart people at the table who've done the research, who've done who who are educated on it to say, "Hey, this is what we think should happen." To say that it's a bad thing to have them at the table or have them in positions of power, it's it's foolhardy. And it, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, that a former mayor uh, of Hamilton would 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 decry you know decry university elites that way, especially when you have a fantastic university with McMaster that you know everybody in Hamilton is so proud of McMaster, the you know McMaster Marauders and 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 all the all the great uh, accomplishments that come out of that institution, you know to say to decry them as oh those university leftist elites, you know come on. And it's 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 a it's a play of the right wing that that someone who claims to be a progressive um, should be above stooping to this this uh, this elites thing. I mean, you can call anybody an elite uh, pretty much if you want to go. You know, right. now you know I have uh, I got a PhD when I was younger. Um, I spent an awful long time at university. Uh, 10, 15 years, I forget. It was so long. <laughs> um, 
am I an elite? Well, maybe in one sense, but I grew up in a semi-detached house in in Slough, which is a kind of laughing stock of a town in the west uh, to the west of London. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll put my non-elite credentials up about up against just about anybody. Um, the fact that I went out and worked, and I, I'm not bragging here. I'm absolutely not bragging because I got I didn't do anything that anybody couldn't do if they if they wanted to. However, you know, people who go out and work to to achieve something should never be treated as elites, and therefore, okay, we can't listen to that guy because he's what spent his life working hard get stuff. Now, I'm not saying that people who don't go to university don't have an equal say. They absolutely do. But but being unintelligent is not something to be proud of. Uh, you know, it's just, um, if you're well, getting... Well, it, 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 part of the problem is that that attitude is kind of how Hamilton has the problems that it does today. The, the fact that you can't have an honest debate about things like LRT, you can't have an honest debate about um, economic development in the city without it turning into, oh, you, you know, you want change. Oh, you're just one of those hoity toity leftist elites wanting to, to ruin Hamilton. And the fact is like, Hamilton has to change. It has the, the, the idea of it being this union driven steel town, you know, we, we're going to just, you know, drive steel and, 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 and sell steel all, all our days. Those days are gone. Like it, it steel is not coming back to Hamilton. It, it's just not. It's a dead industry. Um, U.S. Steel has been trying for years now to try and shut down uh, the Stelco plants and move out. They can't because of agreements, but they're not stopping uh, the trying. But the idea that like, oh, we're just get another factory in there to to do stuff. No, you're not. It's, it's this this not at least if you are, it's not going to be where it's employing the thousands of. Uh, of union members that it used to it'll be an automated facility where you're going to need honestly university elites running the show um but it's one of those things like it it's the, this attitude it's it's it, you're right it sounds well to that folksy crowd you know the aw shucks you know folks 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 crowd it plays well well to that but when you get into the the reality the ones using that playbook are are doing are, are being I think disingenuous and, and dishonest to the people to say oh yeah you know you're just the salt of the earth folks no like they're they're the, you you need to start fun you know we, we need to start rethinking of education as the lifeline of, of how we're going to solve a lot of social ills and, and and we're not it's 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 a way it's a way to hold power over over people because you think oh I'll, I'm I'm just the salt of the earth and you say no you're you're being hosed by those in power. Yeah, anybody who who decries education is, you know, look at the American education system, which has basically collapsed in the last twenty or thirty years, and the problems that that has bred. Our competitive advantage in the Western world over China or wherever the next sort of cheap labor economy turns out to be is education. That's what we have that they don't have in the same way. Now, God knows China is not far behind. I mean, but you know. We can't compete on salaries and wages. We're going to have to compete on something else, and it's going to be education and research and innovation that's going to be it. It's, I mean, he was saying a throwaway thing on Twitter, but it, it it's so symbolic of of this moronic attitude, and which is absolutely. I mean, Laura Babcock made a brilliant statement. I thought when she was on about Hamilton being like a, a city with a broken heart, with a with a series of bad boyfriends who keep on 
basically undermining Hamilton's kind of self-confidence and saying, no, you're useless, you're crap, you're worthless. Oh, we can't, people from the university, what the hell do they know? They can't do anything for Hamilton. And it's all about saying, this is as good as it's ever going to get. And, you know, people like Joey Coleman and Ryan McGreal, I mean, Ryan McGreal is a fairly left-wing guy, I'm fairly fairly sure. But, I mean, really, what the, what what they're talking about is a base level of competence where you don't put 20 million gallons of sludge or however much it was into Lake Ontario, or you don't put a slippery surface on the Red Hill Valley uh, Expressway. And then, having done that, you don't cover it up for years on end. It's, this is a, these are a succession of councils that have been incompetent on a grand scale and Hamilton is paying. And women say, oh, well, they're trying hard. You know, these are nice guys. They're just politicians trying to do their job. No, too bad. You're held to a higher standard. You suck. You need to get out. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs> Who else wants some? <laughs> Oh, well, okay. yeah, well, you've got a story, and which is yeah. almost as good, I think. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, um, this uh, May 2-4, uh, Monday, May 2-4, if you were relaxing at home and you had a copy of the Toronto Star uh, open uh, next to you while you're drinking your morning coffee, you may have read an article uh, titled, Is This the New Face of GTA Conservatives? It was by Alex uh, Boutier. Uh, of the star and basically i'm not gonna read it verbatim but it was a puff piece uh toting the bona fides of melissa lanceman who is going to be the conservative party candidate uh in thornhill in the next federal election whenever that may may be um i i read this uh because i was curious so I, I i like a good political piece and i had to say this is part and parcel one of the reasons why i think we formed this podcast was that this this was just a puff piece there was nothing at all about what the issues facing the gta or thornhill were going to be um and and, and the, the entire part the entire article was basically how great melissa lanceman is and how she's such a young she's only 37 uh you know good for her i guess to to get the party nomination but all, all it was was just a, a puff piece to say hey as you know look at this young young up and coming young woman who's going to going to lead the next generation of tories and da, 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 da. and i'm like i don't care i what i want to know is what what is the conservative platform or policy going to be for the gta i mean we the, it was just, it was a very long article a very lengthy article it goes into her her career, her history, um, a little bit about the political back and forth about the the riding of Thornhill. Between, uh, currently, it's held by Peter Kent. Da, 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 da. And the entire discussion about the issues uh, facing the GTA and the the uh, and Thornhill in particular was one uh, paragraph that I'll, I'll read to you. "Quote: Lanceman believes Thornhill's issues are GTA issues, chiefly affordability, housing." transit and transportation end quote um yeah i mean that 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 tells me nothing i we've been saying issue we've been co we've covered more about affordability housing public transit and uh transportation and development in this podcast than the, the toronto star has done and th this is just kind of part and parcel with uh how 
I really the ma- mainstream media looks at the 905 we're, we're not important until the writ is dropped and then it's entirely about hey this right this uh you know who, who's running in this writing and what scandal can we find in this writing never about what it means to make the 905 a better place to live uh in canada yeah i mean and this is the standard that we get i mean it was a very peculiar piece i thought um uh it doesn't I mean, you know, the star's reputation is usually in the opposite direction. Um, maybe they felt there was a bit of balance. I mean, that that's fine. It's very unusual for for um, nominated candidates to really get talked about very much. What has Melissa Lanceman done that any other candidate, uh, potential candidate, has done? Actually, substantially less. Um, she's been a party insider. Um, for a whole career, she's uh, worked for provincial and federal campaigns. Well, whoop de do. Um, I mean, she's she's another. You know, Andrew Shear was, was one of those guys. Um, uh, you know, never never worked outside the party. Uh, sort of got in from day one and, and went right. to the top. I mean, and if you're going to play this nine hundred five card, then then at least talk about actual issues that affect the nine hundred five that are substantially different from um from elsewhere in ontario and there's i mean i'm not necessarily blaming um uh uh melissa lanceman for that that's that's down to the journalist but it, it was so superficial and yet you've got this kind of 905 label stuck on top of it what's well, what struck me is funny was that it really is that it missed the opportunity to really kind of to kind of separate the conservatives from the liberal and NDP candidates by kind of start staking your claim on the 905, especially when the party leader is in the 90, he lives in the 905. Aaron O'Toole is a 905er. He, his writing is, uh, is Durham. Um, and I, I, I'm like, why, why wouldn't you give Melissa Lanceman marching orders to say, you know what? start talking uh, we say how we're going to do this we're going to we're going to fund this we're going to we're going to change the policy on this that or whatever and start staking your claim on it because as as we've said before on this podcast this is really the only region in the entire country where anything is up for grabs like if you think about it this this region is volatile we don't we there are certain seats that they can swing between conservative ndp and liberal some more predictable than others but this is a region that is in play more so than some other regions uh, in the country. So to just say, oh, Melissa Lancer, she's she's so great, and, and, and I'm, you're right, she hasn't done much beyond working in Stephen Har- uh, Stephen Harper's uh, government. She helped run Caroline Mulroney's failed bid for the Ontario leadership. Then she ran Doug Ford's war room. Uh, and worked in his comms, uh, comms office at Queens Park for a bit, and then decided, no, nope, I'm taking a break, and I'm going to go do what every other political staffer does when you're done at Queens Park or in uh, uh, on Parliament Hill. She went to go work for Hill, Hill and Knowlton and then Enterprise Canada, which is kind of like, again, not going into any other industry or any other business outside of really politics. Politics and policy, like it, you, you might know a lot, but you, you know, it, it's it's you're right. It's kind of a conservative playbook. I mean, if you look at like a lot of the conservative superstars, this is what they do. They they volunteer for a lot around a you know a volunteer up the chain, and then it's kind of like, well, I've I've done my dues. I deserve to go run in a safe conservative seat. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, and to be fair, it's, it's not just the conservatives who do no. that. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I can't, I can't stop myself from saying that that to an extent that was Stephen Del Duca's uh, uh, path to where he is. That he was a yeah, yeah. kind of the the uh, the the office guy for um, uh, oh, guy's name I can't remember now. Um, uh, who former uh, finance minister? Um, yeah, can't remember. Never mind. It will come to me. Um, so, I mean, it happens. Every party has this to an extent. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily always the wrong thing. Melissa Lanceman may turn out to be a fantastic MP if she's fortunate enough to win. However, she will. It, it's, 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 it's Thornhill. She will. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, she has a real battle in here. It's, it's Thornhill. It's been conservative for the last four elections. Uh, don't don't make it sound like it's this. Oh, she's got a, such a, a uphill battle to fight. No, it's Thornhill's a pretty conservative part of the country or part of the part of the region. It's a safe if you, if you want to take Vegas odds, it's a safe bet she's going to win that seat. So again, I don't know why she gets this article where she's she's the new face of the GTA. When I'm like, she hasn't done anything outside of comms work for the party. And then, and then she gets handed this uh, this nomination in in a very conservative, safe seat. Like, yeah, you, you, the reason you get an article in the in the in the Star is because you you you've got friends in the right places to get a journalist at the Star to write about you. You know, there there are people running in the nine hundred five for the Conservatives. I, I'm sure with far more impressive resumes than 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 this. Uh, it is a very yeah. normal looking resume. She's obviously got a skill for self promotion. I don't necessarily see that as a skill that's particularly uh, desirable uh, in a politician. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, guess it, it, I, well, I was going to say what, what got what kind of ground grinded my gears on this one uh, is it goes back to like, it's kind of a theme that we're starting to see because there's there's hints that we might be facing a, a federal election at some time in the near future which is always something the the media loves to to play with it, it may or may not happen but yeah the 905 is the only region that i think you're going to see a real kind of slugfest between the three parties to win seats and to to take some gain and take away seats from other other parties and that that's the way it, that's the way politics that's the way elections are, are are operated but the rest of us who live here we want to know how, how it's a particular party going to make our life better how you know what what how, how are you going to solve the the issues of sustainability for the environment uh yet we also have a huge housing issue where housing prices constantly just go up and up and up it's not a bubble that's why that's a, a side note i hate seeing the word oh the housing bubble in the gta it's not a housing bubble it is runaway housing prices we we don't have a control on it anymore let's let's call it what it is how is the government going to fix it um, I'm not going to propose any answers because I don't have any. That's what they're for. I want to hear what their solutions are going to be. You know, where do we, are we just going to build more highways? Are we going to push through highways in the region? Or are we actually going to come up with alternative public transportation plans so that we can get around? Uh, you know, are, are we going to provide tax incentives for companies to keep people at home rather than having to commute hours upon hours of their day to go to boring office jobs because... Oh, we just let companies build office parks in the middle of nowhere. You know, what- if you're a bright up and coming politician, 
uh, with the opportunity of of having a you know, thousand words or so in in, in uh, Canada's largest circulation newspaper, you might address some of those issues, or you might uh, look at you know, yeah, the, I mean, the ongoing what are the effects of uh, of of you know the the aftershocks of COVID, so to speak, going to be mm-hmm. on our society, you know. Um, yeah, and you can say, well, you know, highways are a provincial issue. It's not federal. I mean, there's always that kind of get out clause with federal politics of 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 nothing interesting is actually their responsibility. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, uh, but but it's difficult. They always try to tie it to local issues, and it's like, yeah, but you're the federal government. You're dealing with foreign policy, and you're dealing with you know carving up checks to send to the provinces. You know, um, uh, but. Yeah, you, you would think, I mean, surely to goodness, you could come up with something more to say than, um, well, she's not afraid to criticize the party. Well, she was critical of, of the previous leader as he went out the door. Um, yeah, right. that takes a lot of courage. Um, well, she, that's- she, was cri- she was critical of the party's um, LGBTQ rights uh, because she herself identifies as a member of the LGBTQ community. And that's great. Um, except in this day and age, that's you know that that's not a shocker, and I think maybe the story is more of if that's an issue for conservatives that this is you know look we have we have a a, a member of the LGBTQ community running for us that says something about conservatives. Uh, yes, in, in, in my opinion, and I, I'm sorry, but yeah, good for her. I mean, she should you know if, if that's what if she has to stand up and say like you know let's face it, gays and lesbians exist. They're within the party, and they have a they have a, ver- a variety of opinions on economic and foreign policy and environmental concerns and a whole slew of other things. Same as everybody else, is that a story that the conservatives need to that we need to be addressing in the conservative party? Is that where they're at on policy development and, and, and building a team? Uh, you know, good good for her for for dragging the party into the twenty first century uh, about time. Comments that like that remind me of a of a of something i heard on a news program back in britain probably 30 years ago now and it stuck in my memory because it was so hilarious and it was comparing you know this is in the early days of very very early days of kind of uh, environmental issues being uh uh kind of political subjects that kind of you know could turn elections were major issues that people were talking about and it was the three parties in Britain were the Liberals, Labour, and Conservatives. Um, and the journalist said, you know, the Liberals say we should do this to reduce global warming, and we should do this, and Labour says this, and this, and this. And the Conservatives have brought out a new, a new anti-littering campaign. <laughs> you know? It's the same. It's like, are you seriously saying that because this would be the first, uh, first lesbian uh, uh MP for the Conservatives that that s- shows some massive uh, change in, in the Conservative Party. It's like no, that just shows how backward they are. For God's sake, that that I mean, yeah, awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm pleased that finally they're, they're coming into the 21st century. But um, I, 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 just, God, I, I was I was just reading. I was really just. I was flummoxed. To, I was hoping. I was hoping to hear something from that. Like maybe I, I thought initially, or maybe Aaron O'Toole as the conservative leader is going to put some faith in her to say, you know what, I need you to kind of be my my eyes and ears for the conservative party in the GTA. You're you're going to be 
you know, we need to win this region because I, I'm, this is where my seat is. It'll be where your seat is. Let's, let's really go forward and really win over people, uh, to to win them over for for the next election and instead we get to get a puff piece that you know i'm still left here going i have no idea what the conservatives are going to do i don't i don't know why i should vote for her uh because they don't talk about anything that they're going to do and i i i don't i i don't care like what the reason is i want to know what the parties are going to do in this region this region it has a lot of issues they're not toronto centric issues they are unique they are different they need their own uh, uh, priorities to to address them. Each party has its own framework. I, I can imagine the conservatives are going to do a lot more with you know tax cuts and trying to spark innovation that way. Great, wonderful. I'm 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 interested to hear that. I, I really am. I I would you know I would love to hear that. This was an excellent opportunity to kind of start hinting at stuff like that, and they completely dropped the ball. That being said, you know what? I'm. I know we extended out an invitation to Aaron O'Toole to come on this podcast to talk about his plans. I'm going to do it again, because, or better yet, you know what? If Melissa Lansman is listening, and she actually wants to come on and talk actually about what the Conservative Party is going to do for the 905 region, I am all ears to to have her on. I'm speaking for you, Roland, but I'm assuming that you're going to that yeah, be okay no, to have her, have her on. No, we we've taken about- we've just taken a bunch of pot shots. Um, and it's absolutely you know. It goes without saying that everybody has a right of reply, um, always. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and it's not even about saying um, that that Melissa Lassman isn't or can't be an excellent candidate and an excellent uh, MP. It's about that lack of substance. It's about the weird article, um, which which just smells to me of. Hey, buddy, I've got a friend. Can you do an article about, you know, we'll find an angle that makes some kind of sense or we'll talk about the 905 for a paragraph. That'll do it. Um, you know, these articles don't, not every candidate can get articles like that. And as I say, no, no. a lot of them have better resumes than that to, to, to back it up. But, but usually, again, if you're going to, every party has their star candidate that they really want to showcase. And that's fine. If the conservatives want Melissa Lansman to be one of their star candidates. That's great. Just give her something to say. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. let let her say. Like I, I genuinely want to hear what her her thoughts are on the region, what she thinks the Conservative Party needs to do to help the region. She had the opp- I don't know if she had the opportunity in this in this article. It, it was there, and the ball was dropped, in my opinion. And I, I'm I'm fr- I'm frustrated as somebody who who lives in the region because I really I really want to know what. How how they view development in this region? Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Direct development is a is a huge one, and, and I mean, uh, you know, if you want to give my my uh, my occasional habit of giving the Conservative Party advice, um, if you if you don't have policies, the opposition will give you policies, and they'll they'll come out with all that stuff about you being right wing nut jobs uh, in hiding, um, yep. and, and people will believe it because there's plenty of uh, plenty nature, of track record. Well, well um, nature nature abhors a vacuum, and yeah. if you're not going to put forward credible, you know, credible policy that people stop and look at and say, I, "I need more information. I want to hear more. I want I want you to I want you to give me more details." And if you don't have those details, then yeah, it turns into yeah, you're a bunch of bigots and 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 social conservatives, and you're going to turn back Canada a hundred years and all that. You need you need to put forward an, a, a compelling argument 
That's not just, hey, we hate the other guys. And, and you know, the one thing that I have noticed that Aaron O'Toole have done that that would seem to deserve some praise is his abandonment of the ridiculous anti uh, any kind of carbon pricing approach, basically denial of climate change. He's abandoned that. And it's like, well, sure, it's not good enough enough to abandon it. You need to make it the flag of your party now. If you want people to believe you, that you're not actually science-denying dinosaurs. You need to be out there waving the flag of, yeah, we need to get control of the climate uh, and things like that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the kind of things that will actually change people's mind about a party. Not, um, well, yeah, we, we've taken that off, off our policy documents, but we're going to try not to talk it talk about it too much because it will scare the folk in Alberta. Then. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to say let's leave it at that for this week. Um, we're going to be back uh, next week because – yeah, uh, next episode is start of Pride Month, and we're going to be talking about Pride flags because that's not a new issue here in the 905 at all. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you next Tuesday. All right. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.